You all logged in? Done that bit? Good. You can do it while we're chatting. Tap away. Now, have you ever felt like you don't fit in, in general? Uh, you might not know this, but in my youth I played piano, uh, not particularly well. If you see me play in church, it's, uh, I'm slightly worse than I was in my youth. I got to about grade five, and once my teacher put me in for this thing called a master class, where you go and you play a piece, and there's like a resident concert pianist expert person who then gives you feedback on how you play. And there was two other people there, um, uh, and so we got down this big drafty hall. It wasn't quite as big as this, but it was that sort of vibe. Uh, we sat down, big grand piano there. First girl sits down, and her piece is like, ring, bang, bang, ring, ring, ring. I was like, oof, man, all right, that's next level stuff, uh, right? So uh, next person sits down, and if that was impressive, this guy was like, Whoa, he was playing notes I didn't even know existed all over the piano. It was like these guys were definitely way, way, way beyond where I was. So now I'm feeling pretty sick because I'm thinking my piece is not so good. I stand up, my piece is like... You know that one where you play only the black notes? Kind of like that. Grade five, not very good. I play my piece. It was horrendous. Felt like a total fraud. And then the master class woman comes up and goes... We were supposed to take them in, in the order in which they've been played. But she said, Ian, you just, you just stay there. Let's, let's give you feedback first so that I could basically do my thing and then get out. Because was, everyone was dying. I was dying. Everyone was dying. So she was like, she said, oh, um, here, you could try and play it a bit more like this. And then she proceeded to play it better than I've ever played it, having never seen it before. And I was like, oh, this is horrendous. Wrong person, wrong place total outsider. I skulked out. I've never forgotten it. It was one of the most horrendous experiences of my life, emotionally. It was a very sad time. So there we are. Now, we've all had sort of experiences like that. Maybe not as extreme as that, because that was pretty bad. But um, sadly, for a lot of us, that experience can actually be felt quite powerfully at church. You can look around thinking, all these folks seem to have it all together. Seems like it, you know, these guys are like nothing like me. They wouldn't understand me. I'm not like this. I don't get this. I'm not part of this at all. And you just feel on the outside of that whole set. And in fact, that may be one of the reasons you've drifted away from church. Maybe you used to come. Maybe you've been interested for a while. Maybe you're drifting away. Well, we have been steadily working our way through this eyewitness account of the life of Jesus in the Bible. And this is written by a doctor called Luke as he tries to tell us why the three-year public life of a carpenter 2,000 years ago is good news of great joy for all people. And it's not just an interesting biography, uh, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a, an earth-shattering, life-changing, cataclysmic, reality-bending, cosmic event that has the power to change everything. And so we take a little bit of time to read from the Bible and examine what it wants to say. Uh, And we try and learn from it week by week. So let's get on with that. Now, sometimes it can be tricky. It's a complex book, the Bible. Uh, Very difficult to understand in parts. But we're in for a treat today because today the section we're reading actually contains the explanation of why it's there. So this part of the Bible tells us directly what it is that God wants us to see from it as we read it. So let's read it. Elaine, would you come forward? Elaine's going to read for us. Watch out for the explanation, and it comes near the end. That's the clue. It comes near the end. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 4. That's page 1053 in your blue Bibles, if you've got it there. Big number 19, little tiny number. We're going to start at the beginning, read all the way down to 9. Elaine, please take it away. Zacchaeus the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. 
He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. Next one. Yeah, go for it. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Perfect. Thank you. Just pop that down there. Did you get that? Did you see it? Did you see the bit? Right at verse 10. Look down at your Bibles there. It's still on the screen. Here is exactly what we're meant to understand from this section. That the Son of Man, that's Jesus, that's a title he uses when he's talking about himself. Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek and save the lost. That is today's big point. That is what this story that you probably know from Sunday school. Can you remember the song? Zacchaeus was a... Very little man and a very, yes, yes, good, exactly right, yeah, that's right. So that's what this story is about. The point of this story is not probably some of the things you might think it's about or some of the things you were told it was about in Sunday school. It's not about, the main point isn't that Jesus is nice to outsiders, although he is nice to outsiders. And the main point is not that we need to go out on a limb for Jesus. It's one of my favorite, no, that is not what it's about. Although we should do that sometimes. And it's, we're meant to see that Jesus came to earth to seek and save the lost. And this guy, Zacchaeus, is the example par excellence of that. And so Luke takes time to write out this account of when Zacchaeus um, meets Jesus. And so let's look at each bit in turn. Seek. Jesus came to seek. So Jesus is passing through this town of Jericho, and he's making his way, if you've been with us, making his way towards Jerusalem for the culmination of his mission. And we're working our way toward that gradually as a church, week by week. Stick with us. It's about to get fantastically exciting. So you're definitely going to want to come back to church in the new year because we're getting to the really interesting stuff. So uh, definitely come back for that. By now, he's pretty big news. Jesus is big news. Everyone knows of him. His Pictures of his miracles, like perfect for Instagram. His teaching is like ideal for tweeting. He is anti-establishment, a humble guy, man of the people. He's an absolute megastar. So if you're living in Jericho, you are desperate to see him. This is the biggest thing to happen in your town for a long time. He's the man of the moment. He's Kanye, Greta, Harry and Meghan, all rolled into one. He's, he's, He's massive. And so Jesus is strolling along. Now this is precisely not what it looks like, right? So this is not... Firstly, Jesus wasn't white. Secondly, no one really wore white clothes, so he probably wasn't wearing that. Thirdly, he didn't have a halo. Fourthly, it wasn't like the middle of autumn in Edinburgh with a grey sky. All sorts of reasons not like this. And this is no UK repressed crowd, okay, just sort of standing back, taking it easily. We're in the Middle East. There's big crowds around him, hustle, bustle. People trying to touch him, people trying to speak to him, jostling along, hundreds of people everywhere, a big melee crammed together, moving along one mass along the streets, maybe something a bit more like this. So everybody's crowding around, the whole thing is moving along, this whole group, and it's crowded. And Zacchaeus, not very tall, it's the one thing we do know about him, and no one's making any space for him, so up he goes, long, clambers a tree, watching to try and get a sight of Jesus as he walks by. You wouldn't want to miss this, actually seeing Jesus come in the flesh. Here he is right now, walking through your town. So Zacchaeus, he's up the tree, watching all this, quite the thing. And as Jesus is in line with the tree, Jesus stops. 
the whole melee stops. Jesus turns and looks up to the tree. Everyone in the melee turns and looks up to the tree. And Zacchaeus, I like to think Jesus points at him, is Jesus says, Zacchaeus. Now Zacchaeus up the tree has a moment of brain freeze. Is there another Zacchaeus in this tree? No, there's not. And then it gets worse because Jesus not only says Zacchaeus, he says, come down, I want to come and stay at your house. Takes him a wee while to process all that. I must stay at your house. The word stay there means an indefinite period of time. He's not saying I want to come to visit. I want to come and stay. I'm going to come and stay at your house. Zacchaeus brain fizzing. But eventually takes us all in and down he comes from the tree, probably proud as punch. Chest puffed up. He's not the wee man anymore. He's the big man. Jesus, the megastar, knows his name. Pointing about of the crowd. Calls him down. Says, I'm coming to your house to stay. Oh, he's the big star now. So Zacchaeus comes down at once and welcomes him gladly. Look at that in verse 6. Now, this meeting is no accident because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. This is what he does. This is what he is still doing. Not as a human person anymore, but God still seeks and saves the lost. This is the mission of God. And if you're a Christian here, you might well look back and know what it's like to feel God seeking you. You don't often see it, maybe until you become a Christian, but you can see how he was arranging things and people and events in order to make you think about him, to make you find out more, to make you want to find out more. And what begins to look as though you, what starts as looking like you seeking for God, you actually see is God seeking you. I worked with Datsy um, at work. Um, there was a conversation that I overheard. I wasn't a part of it. But uh, one of our colleagues was saying to Datsy, she used to go to church. And she was like, I just can't stop bumping into people who go to church. Like, all the time. She says, I've not been to church for years. And like, now there's Datsy, me, my sister who works in the place as well, Angie, our bookkeeper, all these people around her life. And they're all coming out of the woodwork. I just keep bumping into them. I cannot believe how many people from church I've bumped into in the last couple of years. Is that a coincidence, she says. And of course, now we don't believe in coincidences. And Zacchaeus thought he's waiting for Jesus. He's up the tree thinking he's waiting for Jesus. But actually, Jesus is waiting for him. Or rather, Jesus is coming for him. Jesus is seeking him. I must come to your house today. I knew this was coming. I planned this. I've been waiting for this. This is a divine appointment, if ever there was. Now, one of our great um, malaises of our age at the moment is loneliness. For all our connectedness and our togetherness online and all that, it, it can definitely all be a front. And you may know that for yourself. Does anybody really know the real me? Uh, And if they did, would they like it? Probably not. Can I really show anyone what I'm really like? Can I really admit all those things that I feel and think? Well, the good news of great joy for all people is that God does know the real you. And he loves the real you exactly as you are. And the Bible says he doesn't ignore you. The Bible says he knows how many hairs you have on your head. He knows you that well. Every single one is counted. It says he knitted you together in your mum's tongue that he pieced you together, that you're his precious child of infinite value and you're important to God, important enough that he is willing to seek you out. And we sometimes feel a bit like Zacchaeus. We sort of feel a bit of a distant observer from all this. 
But this story is telling us that God is about now. He's about seeking. This is what he's doing. And you're not a distant observer sitting up a tree. God is seeking you. You're part of the story. So you're not detached from it like Zacchaeus up a tree. You're in it. So don't ignore his seeking. Do you have that sense that God is trying to break into your life? Do you feel there's coincidences that you're meeting people from church all the time or that you're coming back around or whatever it is? that feel that God is trying to get through to you. Well, that is exactly what is happening. He is trying to get through to you. You've come to church, you're interested, you're up the tree, but God now is looking directly at you and saying, get down from the tree, let me speak to you, let me be a part of your life. The Bible says, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. And this morning is part of his call to you. He's seeking you. So hear him speak to you as I speak now. It is no accident that you're here. I'm seeking you. I'm looking for you. So, not that way, that way, that way. Jesus comes to seek. But what happens next? Aha, found. Great. That's the end. No, uh, there's more than that. This seeking has a purpose. So Jesus came to seek. It's more than just finding. Jesus came to save Now, in those days, tax collectors, we all know this if you've been around church for a while, they're the lowest of the low, absolute scumbags. They had a tax to collect on behalf of the Romans who were oppressing the Jewish people at this point. Um, uh, And these tax collectors got to keep whatever they made over and above the tax that they collected. And so they would cheat and extort with force as much as they could possibly get away with. And people hated them for it, understandably. Total scabs, the worst, weasley, selfish people, the absolute worst. And Zacchaeus, he's the chief tax collector, right? So he's probably got a whole team of guys underneath him who he takes a cut from. Big pyramid scheme, Zacchaeus at the top. Wealthy because he's cheated his way to the top. So he's the absolute worst of the worst. Tax collectors are bad, he's the worst of them. But on encountering Jesus, there's an immediate and seismic shift in him. It's not exactly clear. Look down at your Bibles where verse 7 and 8 occur. So we've got up to verse 6, Zacchaeus is at the tree. Jesus says, come down from the tree Down he comes, and it's not clear whether there's a gap between verse 6 and 7. Some people think it happens right away at the bottom of the tree. Zacchaeus has changed instantly and and understands what it is to be a follower of Jesus. I actually think it's more likely there's some kind of gap there. uh, And perhaps this next bit, verse 7 and 8, is occurring at a later time, maybe back at Zacchaeus' house. So now, and it says Zacchaeus stands up to speak to the Lord. And I suspect maybe they went to his house and he was sitting down. That makes more sense to me. But it doesn't really matter. Whether it's at the bottom of the tree or later that same day or even another day, it doesn't matter. Um, Luke doesn't give us much detail because Zacchaeus isn't the main character in the story. It's his account. It's an account of what happened. But he's the example to follow. It's Jesus who Luke wants us to see. So Jesus says about Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house today, verse 9. And that's why he has sought Zacchaeus. He sought him out in order to save. And Zacchaeus has been changed, whether it's right then at the bottom of the tree or later, he's been changed. What's important to him has changed. What he values has been replaced by following Jesus. What used to drive him, money, greed, has given way to generosity and kindness. Something incredible has taken place. Watch this. Taking money, Giving money. 
maybe. Uh, anyway, as a starting point, he gives away half of everything he owns to the poor, which is a big amount of money, big amount of money. In Jewish law, giving away maybe 20% of something would be considered pretty generous. So 50% is a massive jaw-dropping figure. But he goes further. He submits himself to this high standard of a four times repayment, which you can look back in the old parts of the Bible, the earlier parts, and this was meant to act as a punishment, a severe punishment, a deterrent for people who extorted and cheated people. Not a punishment for Zacchaeus. He's glad to do it. His encounter with Jesus has changed him so fundamentally. Now, if you remember back to a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at the rich young ruler, which is, you can read that in your Bibles in chapter 18, a few weeks ago. He's a chap who encounters Jesus, but goes away sad because he cares for his money more than Jesus. But Luke is showing us here what salvation looks like. Zacchaeus doesn't go away sad after meeting Jesus. He goes away a new man, rejoicing, happy happy to give away his money. There's a complete change. What is money to me now, he says. I'm a follower of Jesus. It's not something to be gained and hoarded for myself, but something to be put in the service of God. That's his approach to money. That's true change, radical change for Zacchaeus. Not just words, but visible from the outside change. This is change that everyone around him can see. No one can be in any doubt that this is more than lip service. Zacchaeus was like the greediest guy in Jericho, and now he's given away money hand over fist. Incredible stuff. And Jesus sums all that up in verse 9 by saying salvation has come to this house. And salvation is the Bible's word to describe what we really need. It's rescue. But it's a bigger concept than that. It's not just rescue. Jesus promises to bring us as his followers, satisfaction that isn't based on circumstances, not indulging our every whims or suppressing our desires, but reordering them so that we love the right things. He comes to resolve our shame and our guilt in a way that doesn't just ignore it or cast it aside, but equally isn't crushed by it. He offers an explanation, a way to understand yourself, human nature, the world around us, especially the reality of evil. He gives us hope that is more than just optimism, meaning in life that suffering can't take away. And all that is wrapped up in this idea of salvation. Sometimes here people call themselves followers of Jesus, um, maybe because they went to church or because their parents went to church or something like that. But salvation is far more profound than that. It's more than just saying words. It's life-changing, reality-ordering, turn your life around, turn your life the right way up, change. And this salvation is costly. Jesus is marching towards Jerusalem, marching towards his destiny. How he seeks and saves the lost, we're going to see, requires no less than his own death. Now, this isn't a surprise. He's been signposting this all the way through his ministry, and he's been saying it explicitly a number of times. A couple of weeks ago, we read this. The Son of Man, it's, I mean, he's talking about himself in the third person, we will, it will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. The world is broken and breaking more and more every day. Just read the news. It doesn't take much to see. And what's more, we're broken, crushed by expectations and identity and the failure and brokenness of our lives. And such brokenness needs a radical, cataclysmic solution that God himself enters creation 
suffers, dies, rises again, just as he promised. And to make this all, this salvation possible, to fix the brokenness of the world that is outside us and inside us. So Jesus comes to seek, but he also comes to save. Finally then, he comes for the lost. So who is this seeking uh, and saving for? Is it for the rich, the famous, the important, the great? Well, Zacchaeus is probably all those things. He's, He's rich, he's Famous in his town, not for good reasons, and he's certainly important. Um, But he's an outsider. No one liked him. No one would be his friend or help him, excluded from everything in Jewish society, on the fringes. You can imagine him trying to find a space in the crowd. Uh, He's poking around trying to get a space, but no one is about to let him. You see, it's Zacchaeus behind them, even though they could let him through, and if they did, they'd probably see over the top of him. He's a short guy. Why not let him at the front? Because they don't want it. They're not about to do him any favors. This is the one time they can get one over on him. So everybody just looks straight ahead, closes ranks, ignore the voice, keep him on the outside, look straight on. It's even more explicit there in verse 7. Look down in your Bibles, verse 7. All the people saw this. Once Jesus calls him down from the tree, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's going to be the guest of a sinner. And when Jesus calls him down, they're quick to turn up their noses at Jesus' choice of host. Why is he going with him? It's the absolute worst, the chief of the tax collectors, the worst of the worst. And of course, this isn't new behavior from Jesus. It's not a surprise if you've been following through this story. We've been here before. Jesus is always choosing the wrong people. First, it was the leaders who didn't like him hanging out with the common people. Now it's the common people who don't like him hanging out with this official. This type of person isn't right for you, Jesus. It's not not the type of person you should be hanging out with. We like it when you preach peace and love. Uh, And we like your miracles. Uh, But begin to be friends with that guy, bring that guy out from the outside in, that's just not okay. But this is exactly who Jesus came for. There's only one right type of person for Jesus, and that is the lost losers, like me, like you, outsiders, failures. Jesus came to seek and save, and he came for the lost. Anyone got a set of these? Uh, I meant to bring them, my ones. Anyone got a set of these? Apple AirPods. Uh, I don't actually have a set of these. I have one of these. I left, it's so annoying. I left one on my bedside table in the morning. Baby Hope came around. It's not there now. It's definitely in the house. Definitely somewhere I've searched everywhere for this thing cannot find it. I don't know where she's put it. It's going to turn up. I'm going to end up buying a new set in like a couple of years. I'll be so annoyed. I'll just buy a new set. And then it'll be that day that the new one, the old one will turn up. Now, if only, I sort of imagine this one earpod, earpod is sitting somewhere in my house. Quite the thing. Just sitting there. It's quite happy. It doesn't know that it's lost. If only it would cry out to me. I could find it. There is a wee app you can do, but I've left it too long now. It's run out of batteries. You make it beep. It's too late. But it's just sitting there. And the day I find it, it'll just be sitting there waiting to be found. But it won't help me. If only it wanted to be found, this whole thing would be easier. Now, last week, if you were here, you remember we were talking about this blind beggar in the Bible. um, And he was crying out, knew he was lost, knew he needed Jesus. Have mercy on me, shouting to him. People trying to shut him up, shouting for Jesus. Jesus, I need you. Come here, help me. Save me, calls out for it. Now, maybe that's what you're like. Maybe you are like, I am broken my life is in a mess. I need help. Jesus, I need help. Well, great. Jesus has come for that. 
You know you're being crushed by expectations, hollowness of what the world offers you in terms of purpose and meaning. You're here at church, you're seeking. Well, the good news is God is also seeking you. And he comes to seek and save the lost. This is what he does. Just like you and just like me. Or maybe you're a bit more like Zacchaeus. You're detached, interested enough to be observing. You come along to church now and again for whatever reason. Uh, But like my AirPod, you don't know you're lost. Like Zacchaeus, you're up the tree just watching, observing. Or like the crowds, maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know, I'm just not really sure it's Jesus' things for me. don't really think he has any interest in my type of person, me, what I'm like. I'm, I'm not the religious type. I'm not the church type. Uh, I don't have a check shirt for starters. Don't get one of these. Uh, well, <laughs> let me tell you that Jesus is also seeking and saving that kind of lost person as well. Whether you know it or not, whether you're an AirPod or not, you know you're lost. It's not an accident you're here. You're not here by mistake. God is seeking you. Jesus is seeking you out, offers you new life, purpose, meaning, identity as his precious child, not based on how you feel about yourself or what people say about you from the outside, but based only on your identity as his child. That is real freedom. And that's what he offers, because Jesus came to seek lost people like you and like me and bring them salvation, bring them rescue, bring them real change back to my piano gig. Uh, Now imagine, instead of what actually transpired, imagine I walked into that gig uh, and they were there for me, ready for me, welcoming me. Hey, Ian, great, we've been waiting for you. Come on in, sit down. We can't wait to hear you play. And I fumble through my piece, and they're like, fantastic, that was brilliant. Oh, so good, great. Let's talk about how that could be better, but that was absolutely brilliant. And we have a great time together, and then the others play, and they play tunes that are just the same, and we all just have the most fabulous time. Instead of being on the outside, I'm on the inside. This is fantastic. I'm a part of it. Well, imagine you could feel that, that inside, that part of it way about life, about the universe. You're on the inside, accepted, loved, welcomed, valued, part of it. No matter your performance, even on your very worst day, someone loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Well, that is exactly what Jesus offers. And he does it because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Like Zacchaeus, like you, and like me. Let's sit quietly, just 30 seconds, close your eyes. Think about some of the things we've been talking about, and then I'm going to pray. So let's have a wee moment of quiet. Close your eyes. Just reflect on some of these things, and I will pray for us in just 30 seconds. Heavenly Father, we are lost, but you have found us. We're far from you, but you've drawn near to us. When we ignored you and and lived our own way, you seek us out, sought us out. Thank you that you seek us as we are, lost, broken, in need of your rescue. But you don't leave us as we are. You seek us in order to change us. Our rescue means hope, acceptance, forgiveness a new start, a new destiny. 
I pray for those here who are searching for something. I pray that they would see that what they are searching for is found in you. Thank you that you are seeking them, even as they are searching for you. Help them find their way to you for this restoration. For those of us already in your family, already found, continue to change us. Father, we need to be changed. We're so far from perfect. Continue to work in us day by day to refine and restore us. Thank you that you never give up on us, even when we fail. Would we feel your help and support, even this week, even today, even now. Thank you that you have sought us and saved us. Amen.